0: Happy Mother's Day, good to have you in God's house, all the mothers that are here, they're so quiet this morning, it's good to have you. Um, we are not doing a study of the book of Romans today, because, I know it's, it's almost unbelievable, it, it's Mother's Day, and my mother's here, yeah, uh, and so, I haven't been with my mom on Mother's Day for 11 years, so. It's uh, good to be with my mom, Sue, uh, and to actually do a Mother's Day sermon uh, is appropriate when your mom's there, right? Yeah. Then I'll just go back to the other Marty mode when she's not here. So uh, we'll get back into the, the, the exegetical, expositional, deep dive Bible study next week. Uh, but today, it's going to be a little different than normal. So if you're visiting, this is not a normal sermon. It's a little bit different. Uh, and I'll show you why as, as we get going. But I do want to make an announcement before I dive into my uh, study this morning. Um, everybody's been asking me forever, like, when are we going to Israel? So we are going to Israel in 2020, uh, in February, for two weeks. Um, my doctorate in apologetics threw me off going every two years. So now I'm getting back on track. So, but we have uh, over 100 people that want to go uh, but I can only take 42 people in each trip because I like to keep it, like, small and like, a family unit because it's, 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 it's more enjoyable, I think, that way. Uh, and so uh, we launched the website, uh, I think, yesterday. Uh, it's on the church webpage under Resource tab. is the Israel trip, everything you ever wanted to know about it, pictures, schedule, the whole shebang. Uh, and then if you want to go, you need to email my secretary, Mary Ann. She will then send you a link so you can formally register. Uh, do not wait uh, if you would like to go. So it's... It, I don't know how this happened. It must be the D.C. culture, but be, even before we launched, got everything going, eight people signed up somehow, so uh, <laughs> the, this is an interesting church, uh, so we no sooner later, launch it, launched it and people were signing up, so uh, now that I'm telling everybody, uh, it, you've been asking me, so now's the time, correct? There was nobody in this church that wanted to go to Israel, so yeah, so anyways, uh, don't waste any time. You can even do it while you're sitting there during the sermon. lightning comes down <laughs> yeah etc anyway let's go to prayer uh god thank you for today and for the mothers uh that you've placed in our lives they mean so much to us and we pray your blessings upon them and uh, may we learn uh, as we study the life of of a mother what that means uh, and may it challenge uh, and and bring a great depth uh, to the mothers in our church in christ's name amen uh, since my mother is here and she's actually in this service um uh, I've thought about, like, what do I want to do on Mother's Day with my mom actually being in the building? So she can verify everything I'm going to tell you today is absolutely true. Correct? Yes, yeah, so if you have a question, just go ask her. Are you kidding me? He did that. Uh, and so uh, uh, the other two services, you know, she wasn't there. So this is even this is a tougher one. This is the real deal. So, And she has no idea what I'm going to do. Uh, <laughs> uh, my mother is a very uh, uh, quiet person, introvert like me. Um, No, I'm serious. I am an introvert, but I just have a public job. Uh, But she's very humble, very meek, etc. But I want to ask a question and then answer it based on my mom's life. And so here's the question that I want to ask. Can you read that? What'd she do right? Did you do anything right? You have no idea? Okay, she prayed about it a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, What did my mother do right? So, you know, at 61 years old, I'm sitting here thinking, man, as I look back over my life, like, what did my mother do right? Uh, a lot, now that I'm paying attention. She, she did a lot right. And so what I want to do is uh, look at her life as like a template of what is a godly mother like? Because my mom is a godly woman is a great godly woman. Now, she'll be the first to tell you. She had no idea I was, I was doing this sermon, so I'm totally. she's probably wanting to climb under the chair at this point. She's probably going to write me out of the will or something. I don't know, but <laughs> uh, you've already called the attorney. Uh, yeah, but um, is it proper to analyze someone else's life in your walk with God? What say you? Yes, okay. Uh, others need convincing, so let me convince you with this. Uh, from the pen of Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Puts it in perspective. What's Paul say? Well, if you want to learn how to follow Jesus, do what? Follow me. Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Could you imagine that your walk with God is so tight that you could tell another person, well, if you want to grow up in Jesus, just follow what I do. And he, and he wasn't arrogant when he said it. It's a matter of fact. It's the truth. Uh, so now we have to have a little language analysis because my mom paid for this. for me going through school. So we have to have a little Greek analysis, correct, Mom? So we need to parse a verb and all that kind of stuff because it's so important. So be imitators of me is not a suggestion in the Greek text. It is a present tense command. So Paul says, if you really want to grow up in Christ, continually pay attention to my life. Wow, talk about, could you say that to somebody? I mean, that's a life goal. Uh, So it's it's not a suggestion, it's a command. And the Greek word uh, here is uh, mimetai. Mimetai is from which we get the word mimic. Mimic. Paul says, just mimic me. Uh, I have been studying my mom for 61 years uh, and analyzing her life as a Christian. Like, what is a Christian supposed to look like? Uh, And uh, if you want to uh, be, in my estimation, a godly woman, a godly mother, um, I would submit to you, uh, my mother is a great example to follow because she, like Paul, could say, follow me. Now, she's never told me, Marty, follow me, but I've analyzed her and followed her my whole life, what she does to be like Christ. And so there's a lot of things I could put out there, what she did right. Uh, and I have 385 things I want to share this morning. So i just kidding. Are you kidding? How long does this guy preach? Uh, I just talk fast. Um, now, I, uh, I want to share with you some things that uh, they're not part of my sermon. This is just extra stuff. So we're going to go through these things, bulletized format, Things that she did well, but these aren't the main things I want to focus on. We'll get to those in just a minute. Here's some of the the things that just come to mind. If you were to sit down, what did my mother do right, and started bulletizing him, what would you come up with? Here's kind of my uh, rapid-fire list. You ready? Excellent. All right. Uh, She respected and loved my dad. Number one, Al. Uh, as my dad. He went home to be with the Lord right before I moved here from brain cancer. Uh, she, she respected and loved my dad. Uh, and she loved us. And it kind of goes downhill. If you both love each other, it makes the marriage totally optimal. And by the way, Christ was the center of our, of, of our family. So he, he was a considerer of their relationship. Uh, she allowed our home to be open to our friends. Now, me being an introvert, I could either be alone, totally happy with myself, or have one friend over. I didn't want a whole bunch of friends over, correct? Now, my sister Marla, who was a year older than me, was, you know, knew everybody. And so I would always complain, like, why are all these people in the house? Uh, Because she was always having tons of people over, singing and all the stuff that went on. Uh, But she made our home open to all of our friends. Uh, She showed up to our functions, whatever it is that we were doing, whether singing stuff with my sisters or athletic stuff with me. Although I do Find one thing my mom did most interesting, and hopefully she will remember. Um, I was playing a tournament uh, at the Angels practice stadium in Hopeville uh, when I was a senior in high school, and I was in left field at this complex, the Angels complex, uh, and, uh, and I didn't see my mom. I saw my dad. I could hear him when I was batting, you know, why well, just swing at that? <laughs> I'd step out of the box, and I'm like, are you serious? But anyway, this is Mother's Day, not Father's Day, but um, so I didn't see my, remember, he would do this. I mean, yeah. Uh, but I didn't see my mom sitting next to him. Like, so I went to her afterward, and I'm like, Mom, where were you? I mean, that huge tournament I was playing in. And she goes, well, honey, I was in the parking lot. You were in that left field, right? I was out there you know, in the parking lot where I'd be near where your position was, watching you from the vehicle. Isn't that sweet? But this was near Yuma, Arizona. Do you know how hot that is there? Yeah, yeah. And so she sat in the car and watched the game and could cheer inside the car. I thought I heard muffled screaming inside the car, but (laughs) (laughs) she'd come to the games. Uh, She built laughter into our home. Uh, My dad was from South Carolina, you were from Arkansas, but she left as a child, so she always told my dad, you know, you got issues because you're you're from the South. I'm like, aren't you from (laughs) Arkansas? Yeah, but I left when I was five. I'm like, oh, okay, great. our house was full of joking around. I mean, kidding, joking. I mean, it's just it was the whole family. And plus, I had southern parents, so we were into telling stories. So if you wonder, like, where did I learn to tell stories? Listening to my parents. Uh, so there was just a lot of laughter in our home. Uh, she gave us piano lessons. All of us played. My sister Marla majored in piano. Took, I don't know, 14 years of lessons. I took 10. Little sister took how many? 11, 12. So we, do you know how many arpeggios that is over that many years? Scales hand and finger drills, etc. Well, she learned to play just by listening. So she got her money's worth. So she can play uh, because she listened to all of us play. She gave us a great gift in, in music. Uh, she let us have godly and godless friends as friends. Now, you would think it would be like, I've often been amazed that some of the friends she let me have, they were totally seedy. And then saintly friends. And she trusted us to have both because she knew if you're going to be salt and light in the world, you've got to have all those kinds of friends. And so... I had friends that would approach me at school as I'm getting my books out of my locker because my dad's uh, the chief supervisor of the port of entry in Calexico. And they would come to me and say, hey man, let's go to the border this weekend, drive across, load the car down with marijuana, drive through, the agent will wave us through because he works for your dad. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, right. They see me with you, they strip the car, they bring out the dogs, they strip us, it's over. You know, I gotta ask all the time. Uh, I had godless friends. Uh, But I was concerned about their faith, as I've told you. Uh, She, uh, wow, she kept us busy during the summers with all kinds of swimming lessons, projects, paint by number, you name it, we did it, Uh, board games, et cetera. Uh, uh, But then she gave really great gifts. I haven't got to my sermon yet, but um, she gave great gifts. Did your mom give great gifts? My mom was very creative. Now, the thing is that I'm very sentimental. I'm just, as a guy. And so I kept a lot of my toys. She was happy when I got married, all these things are yours. <laughs> Take them with you. Uh, I have the original Batman car from the early 60s. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a spiritual experience right there. Uh, it's the original made out of metal when they still used metal. Uh, it's made in England. I can't even find what it's worth online. I don't even know. You can't touch it. You could look at it, but you can't touch <laughs> it. Yeah. Anyway, I kept it no scratches nothing because as a child i was very fastidious and very careful about my toys was i not i memorized all my army men i could tell if one was missing i mean i had everything regimented and my mom told me one day she said you were the most lining up child that ever lived i lined everything up did i not and so all my cars and everything so i kept all my hot wheels cars original case matchbox cars i have all of them from the 60s no scratches no dents they're mint and no, my grandchildren cannot have them. So, <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, she, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's quite amazing. Um, do you remember when uh, record players, uh, like, took up the entire living room? Yeah. Do you remember what a record is, you know? I mean, they were so excited when they ma- my dad made promotions with Customs, and they bought this huge stereo cabinet and put it in our new living room. I mean, it was, it was the width of the triple window awesome. All your records are in there and stuff like that. The only problem was I was into Led Zeppelin. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Christian groups. <laughs> uh, and they were into Tennessee Ernie Ford, a heavy banger, head banger like the Gaithers, you know, things like that. But there was always Christian music playing in our home, you know, and it was always just in my head, all the Christian music. So they, they gave that to us. And uh, now I appreciate all that music because uh, God has ministered to me so many years. But as I summarize my mom, the great traits that I would think I would want to leave you with to, to emulate, I'll, I'll mention four. Number one, what she do well? Uh, she made sure that church was a priority. And this is kind of amusing because now I work at a church. If you would have told me in high school that in, in my 60s, I'd be preaching three times a Sunday, work, I would have like, you've got to be kidding me. Oh yeah, no, God had other plans. Never tell God I'm not going to do that. A church was a priority in our house because my mom wasn't raised in a Christian home. And so when she got saved, when she was a young, young teen, um, she understood the importance of putting uh, scripture first. So here's uh, Hebrews 10, uh, 10, 24 and 25. Here's what it says. And my mom lived to this. Uh, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds, not forsaking, the Greek word is to abandon, uh, not abandoning our own assembling together as is the habit of some at church. But encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. What day? The day of Christ's arrival. What's the greatest thing you could be known for when Christ shows up? I've been worshiping you, faithful to worship. Uh, And so that's a command, again, in the Greek text to make sure that you show up at church. A lot of people in our culture are like, yeah, I go once every, you know, four or five Sundays. But there's no consistency in your life. My mother understood consistency. And so she made sure that we were in church. So pragmatically, uh, what that meant was this in my life. Sunday school every Sunday morning. Church was, I think, at 1045, was it not? Uh, And, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Lynn, Dr. Lynn, he he was a teaching pastor, so he would would teach and preach. Uh, We'd get out of there about 12, hang out and talk to people. Uh, And uh, and here's a picture of my church, by the way, uh, where I grew up. Spent most of my life in this particular building. Uh, That's it. And that's basically what it looked like back in the 60s, minus a few eucalyptus trees that have long since gone. But I got saved there. My parents got married there. Uh, My sisters got saved there. Uh, that's where I did all my service, preaching, everything started when I was a kid there. When I go, went into Mexico to preach, it was out of this building. Uh, so this is where I grew up. So we lived at church. So after church got out, we'd go home, eat lunch, and then Sunday night, church again. Are you kidding? I mean, I had the things I was thinking about doing, but no, we got to go to church. Six o'clock, uh, you went to Bible study, seven o'clock was church. After church was, well, what these things we called sip and things sip, and sings. So what do Baptists do? Well, study the Bible and eat. Those two things. Uh, here's a picture of my family back in the day, back then. It's my mom. Yeah, Sue. Remember that hairdo, mom? She's like, I cannot believe you're showing that picture. Uh, that's me. That's Marla, the blonde in the back, and Sister Julie. And then my dad, you know, he was, uh, well, typical military haircut from a, you know, Korean War vet. And then he, you know, was a U.S. Customs agent. So, um, that's what, that's what we looked like back then. So as I'm going to church all the time, etc. and I'm still in a suit and tie. What's the deal? <laughs> when we were at these uh, things at people's homes, these sip and sings, um, what we would do is like uh, we would sing choruses and then we would have dessert. It was totally awesome. And those choruses uh, are long since gone, but they've been drilled into my head. Uh, one of them is, and it's an oldie for sure if you're around my age, it's called Pass It On. Now, my druggie friends thought this was an excellent song. (laughs) I'm serious. They're like, what'd you do last night? We sang Pass It On at church. Whoa, what's that about, man? I'm like, (laughs) anyway, um, how many remember Pass It On? Okay, excellent. Okay, it only takes a spark to do what? Get a fire going. And soon all those around can warm up to its glowing. That's how it is with God's love, right? Uh, Once you experience it, you'll spread his love to everyone. You just want to pass it on. (laughs) That's what I had to tell my friends at school. No, it's not about a joint. (laughs) No, it's about passing along the love of Christ. Do you know Christ? Uh, And and great. So we'd have a lot of songs like that. And and whenever my parents thought I wasn't listening, I was listening. I was listening big time. Now, I have to ask a question. This is a Socratic question. Do you think on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being awesome, one being no way, I enjoyed being at church all the time? No. Oh, no. No, I remember the one time I asked if I could not go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I got real brave. Walked over to parents' room, said, hey, my friend. Do you remember, I don't know if you remember this, but I, you do? <laughs> <laughs> I walked over to their bedroom and they're getting all ready for church and I'm thinking, man, I want to go to the drag races with Kenny uh, and funny cars and I made funny car models and stuff. My room was full of them and I'm like, can I just go? I've never been. I want to see him in the flesh and they're like, you, you want to go to the funny car drag races? Are you serious? And it was kind of like, if Jesus shows up and you're there, what are you going to tell him? (laughs) I'm ministering to the lost. I don't know. I mean, you know, well, they said, you're old enough to make your own decision. You, you make a decision, whatever you want to do, you go with it. I chose the cars. So I went and the whole time I was there, I did not enjoy it. The whole time I'm thinking, if I hear a trumpet and Jesus shows up, I'm toast. (laughs) You know, (laughs) serious. Talk about motivation. Um, And then it was so loud, I was deaf for like three weeks. I mean, I'm like, the roar of the engine, the parachutes and everything. I'm like, I should have gone to church. Uh, But I I didn't enjoy being there all the time. Uh, And so when I was there, well, we invented things to do during church. Now, I'm going to tell you one of the things we did. You just have to promise you won't do it during one of my sermons. (laughs) How many young people are here? I probably shouldn't even put this in your head. But... I got to share you my own carnality. This is what we did. Uh, my friend, Donnie Sundstrom, his dad ran the Peterbilt plant in Mexicali, Mexico. Nice family. Great family. Uh, we grew up together. Donnie became, uh, I think a CIA, CIA officer in Russia back in the day. So Donnie, great guy, good friend. We'd be sitting in church. Like we're bored to death. You know, Dr. Lynn's preaching, teaching, etc. with the, with the, <laughs> with the clear acetate film, you know, with the slide projector writing and rolling and writing and rolling. I'm like, how long is the tape this time? Um, And so to pass the time away during church services, we played baseball. You want to know how to play? Yeah, you need a bulletin. Here's how you do it. At the bottom of the page, you draw a straight line. Horizontal line, you divide it up into seven sectors for seven innings. Or nine, whatever, it's pro. And you pick a team. (laughs) Pick a team, angels, Dodgers, whoever works for you. I was a Dodger fan. Uh, You put your name in the left-hand side, and then you start up in the left-hand quadrant of the bulletin, and this is how you play. Every letter that starts with an S is a single, D is a double, T is a triple, H is a home run and you love inserts, okay? You love like howdy-doody time or whatever. I mean, you love things that start with an H, home run, etc. and so everything else is an out. So we'd be sitting there with our pencils playing baseball during the church service, and all the adults were like, these boys are so spiritual, they're taking notes. <laughs> Did you know I was doing that? No, she didn't know I was doing that, okay. Yeah, we're playing baseball, I wasn't taking notes. Was I listening? Yeah, oh yeah, I was listening to Dr. Lynn preach and teach. Now, he was a teaching pastor, as I told you. Uh, charts and things all over the stage, and you know, you named the grid, the system, and he had it up there long before PowerPoint. And I used to sit in there and think to myself, if I was ever a pastor, I'd want to teach like him. Because we had another pastor that was a screamer. <laughs> and I asked my mom one time after the new pastor came, I, she said, well, how did you feel about the pastor this morning? I'm like, does he have to yell all the time? So I decided if I was ever a pastor, every point wouldn't be totally important. I'd teach like Dr. Lind. And so I did. And so I do. What did I learn? Well, I learned in sitting through all of those church services much about the word of God. uh, And I I learned much about the worship of God because we sang hymns back then. I know them all because we sang them all. And they mean much to me because what they did is they prepared me for the road ahead. I just didn't know it. Uh, back in uh, college, my roommate's uh, mom, uh, uh, Glenda Fletcher, uh, they were the largest boat dealer people in L.A. Very wealthy family. Uh, when I was 19 and she was 40, and I lived with them uh, for some of my time in college, uh, she contracted ovarian cancer. was sad. She died at 40. I went to Glenda's funeral. While I was there, a friend of mine who owns a recording studio in uh, L.A., uh, downtown, uh, Marlon Jones, uh, led the singing, a professional Christian man. I led the singing. They sang many hymns that day. I'll never forget one. His eyes on the sparrow. Do you know that one? It's an awesome song. See, I sang it when I was a kid, when they didn't think I was listening, but then then when I'm 19, I'm going, oh yeah, I understand this. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion? What am I worried about? My constant friend is he, his eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Now, I sang that and thought, Glinda's gone, but God's eyes on her. He's more important than a sparrow. Then when my sister Marla got ovarian cancer last year, three forms, and died three days after uh, Easter last year, uh, you know, I asked my mom the other day, what was Marla's favorite song? Guess what? His eyes on the sparrow. You know, and as a Christian singer, uh, professional, my sister, like, why was that her favorite song? Because she understood it from her childhood, that she might have cancer, but but. She's more important than a bird. God's, God's her best friend. He's with her. I mean, see how that stuff prepares you for the road ahead? I mean, all that stuff was put into us as children, paid huge dividends later, because now you can sing that song with great meaning, because you are more important than a little than a sparrow. Jesus said so. Uh, timely trait number two, she showcased servanthood. Boy, did she. She's a servant. She's a quiet servant. And I can't tell you all the things that she does, or she'll lose crowns in heaven. So I'm going to stay kind of general, especially in this service. Uh, Mark 10:45 puts it this way for even the son of man code word for Jesus did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for the many that's who Jesus was Galatians chapter 5 for you uh were called to freedom brethren uh, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity of the flesh don't take the fact that Jesus forgave you of your sins use that as leverage to sin more and just ask him to forgive you don't live like that he says but through love do what serve one another See, that's my mom. She's thinking about moving here. She's downsizing her house. Uh, she's getting ready to move here, et cetera. Uh, but one of the th- things she wanted to know when she was out here last was, uh, can Tammy use me in the children's department? Hmm. Let me think about it. <laughs> I told Tammy she went ecstatic. Another person to serve. And so my mom, who's taught in children's departments, knows the value of serving. And so she's coming here not just to retire here but to serve in the church. She's totally excited about it. See, that's a servant. The servant does all the fun, uh, unfun things that nobody really even knows about, but, but that's her. So I'll give you some general things about my mom. Uh, she studied the fact that, that Christ loved the poor, so she loves the poor. And I won't tell you all the things she's done to the poor, but she's the one who loves the poor in a practical way. Uh, she made, uh, he made time for hurting people. She made time for hurting people. I mean, I no sooner moved and went to college than, uh, than guys moved into our bedrooms. And I asked my dad, like, where'd you meet that guy at Denny's, <laughs> et cetera. They would love people to that point to give young people, uh, you know, a launch pad. Um, he taught in a synagogue. She taught in church. She taught Sunday school classes when I was a kid. Uh, she taught a want one, one program at my last church. So she taught. She taught as Jesus taught. Uh, so she studied Christ. She emulated Christ. I've studied her and Christ. What, gr- what great models. What kind of parent, are you, are you a servant? See, my mom was a servant. I've watched her in action for many years, um, preparing to do things to touch lives for eternity. And she's been there doing the unfun things. So when her sister passed away from breast cancer, she was there with Roberta. When my sister passed away from ovarian cancer, my mom moved from Northern California to Spokane to stay there until her daughter went into God's presence. That's where a parent should be. That's where she was. When, when my dad had brain cancer, my mom was with him. Etc., and etc. I remember my mom was engaged when she was 15. Remember? <laughs> she, was 15. <laughs> she was 15. My dad was what, 21? He was 22. Yeah, my dad was 22, US sailor, Korean War, engaged to a 15 year old. And they got, him, yeah. And how long was it after you turned 16 that you got married? Uh, five, days. five days after she turned 16, they got married. And then he went to war straight away. Um, <laughs> So when she was 17, she was pregnant with me. She had me uh, two months after she turned 18. So I remember her in her 20s, literally. Uh, Her best friend, Phyllis Marshall, great woman of God, church pianist, got cancer, breast cancer, in her 20s. Uh, What was she, 25? 28 years old, godly woman. Um, We watched Phyllis uh, waste away. But guess who was with her? My mom. She's done that many times. See, that's what a servant does, the unfun things for people that you love and care for. Uh, that's a great mother right there that will be with friends and family to the end. Uh trait number three. Uh, she was committed to what she would call consistent discipline. We'll get to that slide. It's so important. If we could have the next slide, that'd be totally wonderful. Hello? Yeah, <laughs> they're playing baseball. Yeah, they're, they're playing baseball. <laughs> Yeah, excellent, yeah. I should have never taught anybody that. Yeah, anyway, that's our own invention. Anyway, uh, trial, trait number three, she was committed to consistent discipline. Uh, because if she wasn't consistent, I wouldn't be here. Right, because she was told by a family member, which, which family member was it, by the way? Your, my, your Aunt Pat. So my grandma's sister. Yeah, your mom's sister. Told my mom this. If you do not do something with that boy, me, he's going to he's going to wind up in prison. And if, you, if you, you channel his strong will, he could be a great leader. But you need to do something, like quickly. <laughs> That's encouraging from a family member. So Mama realized that she had a problem on her hands uh, because I was, I was the poster child for the strong-willed child. Um, and I was in between two girls that didn't have strong wills, as it were, like, not like mine. So let me give you some illustrations of things that I did to terrorize my family. Um <laughs> Remember uh, when you could uh, save up your money and green stamps and buy something? Yeah. yeah? So she, she bought a, a cookie jar, Teddy. Remember Teddy? You bought it with green stamps? Yeah. yeah. So it, it took like 10 years of you know, green stamps to buy a teddy bear cookie jar. But she did. She bought Teddy bear. She was so happy with that teddy bear. And she put cookies in it, and she stuck it on top of the refrigerator. Remember when refrigerators were round on the top and not square? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great for me because she stuck him up there and she told us, you can't have a cookie unless I bring him down because he's way up there. You're just a little kid, you're like five. And I'm thinking to myself, she just told me to climb up there. So she no sooner left, <laughs> I slid the chair of the kitchen over there and I'm moseying on up into that chair, got on my, my tiptoes and was reaching up there, reaching, reaching, reaching. I caught his toe with my little finger. Now, I'm not a scientist, but at five, I understood gravity. So I'm thinking to myself, if I can just slide Teddy off a little bit, he'll drop into my hands and I'll enjoy the cookies. He went by me at muck speed. (laughs) Blew up all over the floor. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And my sister Marla was always there. I I called my sister Marla the Holy Spirit. She was always there to go, you are in trouble. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, she told me, don't do it. I did it anyway. I probably owe you a cookie jar. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, let me tell you one other thing uh, that was most traumatic for my mother, uh, having a child like me. And I'm telling you this because there's hope if you have a strong-willed child, okay? Uh, she told us when we were little kids in elementary school, stand here after school, and I will park across the street, and you'll see me, and that's, that's my sister Marla, and that's me about age, about the age when this happened, okay? And it's in front of the house where this happened. Remember that picture? Yes. Um, so she told us to stand there, and then when you see my car, you know, the, the, the blue Impala with the white top, just, you know, Come across the street, so we stood there, stood this, stood there. Didn't see her. A lot of kids, a lot of cars. And so I turned to Marla and I said, "I don't see mom. I think we need to walk home." It was like I don't know what mile and a half to the house. Yeah, uphill both ways, something like that. But yeah, and so so we, so Marla's like, "We're not supposed to walk home because Marla was a rule follower." You know, mom said we're supposed to stand right here. I don't see mom. I'm, I'm walking. So we started walking. She came with me. So we got to the house. I had a little carport. And uh, so I went around when we got there. And I'm checking all the windows. They're all locked. Front door's locked. Walk around to the back with Marla. Checked all the windows. They're all locked. But it's hot. It's the desert. It's near Yuma, where I grew up, El Centro. So it's hot. Well, I went in the house where it's shady. So I looked at that back door, and I said to Marla, you know what? I think I can run through that. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was a wood door with inset panels, and I'm thinking that's the weakest part of the door. I think I could throw my body through that. Marlo's like, You better not do that. Well, the next thing you know, I'm airborne. I mean, I ran, through the, <laughs> I ran straight through that door. I was kind of shocked at how easily it, it collapsed on me. Uh, as I flew across, like in slow motion, as the board collapsed, my body's on it. I hit the carpet. I'm sliding all the way through my sister's bedroom with the little sister with the bassinet and the crib and the diapers. I'm like, Whoa! <laughs> I'll never forget Marla bending down, looking in there. You are in big trouble. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. She came home. Hi, kids. How did you get in the house? Marla sang like a bird. She's like, "You, you ran through the door? Okay, so what do you do with a child like that? Well, you have to wrap your mind around these verses. I'll share them with you. Proverbs 23. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he's not going to (laughs) die. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. There was times I thought I was going to die, but no, I made it. I love this one. Proverbs 22, 15. She loved this verse. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of Marty. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Did it work? Yes, but you had to be consistent. Uh, Liz, why are you shaking your head? (laughs) (laughs) Proverbs 19:18. I love this. Discipline your son while there's hope, and don't desire his death. <laughs> I mean, my dad comes home. He's like, "What did he do today? He ran through the back door. He what? what? He'll make a grade on a uh, on a SWAT team or something, etc.'" So, what did my mom do? She she realized I had an issue, strong will. Okay, so she established rules and regulations, and she was a steel wall to my desire to do the opposite. And I eventually. Uh, understood the importance of meekness and following the rules, because she broke that strong will. And then she would encourage us when we would do good things. So now I understand the importance of Proverbs 22, verse 6. It's a great verse. She now understands this one big time. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And even when he's 61, he won't depart. Why? Because you spent the time training him. And as a landscaper, I totally get it now. One time I was in a park on the Rogue River with a friend of mine in, our, in a motorhome that we rented. And we're sitting there having lunch, I'm with my friend Dan, and there's two trees by the table. One was the same kind of tree. One was twisted and crooked and diseased and going in all directions. The other one, strong and true. And I told my friend Dan, I said, hey, check it out. It's a story of life. I said, the one on the left, the crooked, crooked one, the diseased one, had, has no stakes on the left and right of it. Notice the other one. It has stakes. I said, you know what? That was my mom and my dad. You need to be that, Dan, to your kids. See, that's like a great parent. Stakes on a tree. Last thing I'll share with you about my mom, and this is super important, uh, is uh, she was a woman of prayer. She is a woman of prayer. In fact, when I got up this morning and was coming here, I'd been down to kiss her and tell her uh, Happy Mother's Day, and she looked at me and she said, you know, honey, I'm praying for you preaching today. Yeah. You, you can't quantify the importance of a mother's prayers, can you? Do you pray for your kids by name? Uh, she's prayed me through everything. Uh, she prayed me through getting married to the next door neighbor, Liz. Uh, here's a picture of me and Liz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 40, almost 40 years ago this month. Huh, Liz? What date? I'm not going to venture. I'm thinking it's May 24th. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've been married 39 years. But that's Liz. She hasn't changed a bit. Me, well, the hair's not the same color anymore. Yeah, and I don't weigh 185 pounds. But, uh, but my mom prayed for us as we got married because we'd no sooner met. I literally Liz to Christ. She's the next-star neighbor, and four months later, we're engaged. I mean, my mom had to do a whole lot of praying. Um, she prayed us through uh, getting married, she prayed us through children, she prayed me uh, through teens, she prayed me through college, she prayed me through grad school for four years, she prayed me through, through doctoral school for three years. In fact, I've told her, it's like, I don't think I could have ever passed Greek and Hebrew had you not prayed for me. She prayed for me. Uh, She prayed uh, at my last church that she attended for 19 years. She prayed for me. When that church split in two in 1993, painful thing to go through as a pastor. My mom prayed for me. Uh, When I lost friends along the way, and I've lost many along the way, she prayed for me. When my friend Kenny died, when my friend Robert Romero, I told you about him, died, car wreck when my friend brad died in a car wreck when my friend De- my roommate in college brent died of uh, cancer his mom glinda he died of cancer brent she prayed me through all those things she was always there to pray through all those things who can quantify the importance of a mother's prayer who can you pray for your children that's what a godly mom does um matthew chapter 7 i leave you with this what did jesus say about prayer ask it should be given to you seek you'll find Knock, and she'll be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened. I tend to think at this point in life, Jesus knows the knock of my mom on heaven's door. Hello, Lord. Uh, Marty's preaching today. You don't want him to blow it, right? So I'm praying for him. I'm praying for him. I I energize him with the power of the Spirit. He knows her knock. Does Jesus know that your mother's knock at the door of heaven for your children? Uh, That is what my mom has done for me, the the gift of praying for me. Can't place a value on that. Uh, Happy Mother's Day, Mother. And I'm glad you're here. And uh, next year, I hope you come back. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's good to to see you here. Uh, Good to have you as well. May God bless you on Mother's Day with those great traits we've talked about. Emulate those to God's glory. Let's pray. God, thank you just for mothers, how wonderful they are. They are such an impact on our lives. And we thank you for how they feed into our lives great things, especially a godly mother. And we thank you for the traits we studied today. We, Our ladies, apply them to your glory, uh, to build relationships, marriages, and children that love you and follow hard after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Mother's Day.